Have you ever delved into any fan fiction for Star Trek or otherwise? Not really. I remember I watched a few like fan movies for Star Wars, I think back when that was the thing. Oh yeah, they I remember had there was like one a... point where like StarWars.com had like a competition for it or something. Yeah, it was like an annual one yeah, before they got when, bought by Disney. I'm sure Disney back probably when StarWars.com was the the go-to website. Um, yeah, it was like it was like Wikipedia like before there was a Wikipedia kind of. Yeah, and they got rid of all that stuff. Um, yeah, I watched some of those. Um, you know, you never read like you've never like read any fan fiction though or anything like that. Not really, no. I think Star Trek is one of the only things where I would consider not reading fan fiction, but like watching like a fan movie because oftentimes they actually get the actors from Star Trek to be in them. Yeah, I've heard that'll happen. There's a couple big ones, I think, where that's happened. Yeah, I think a lot of the Voyager actors in particular have like popped up again for for a lot of these fan movies, but I don't think any of them that I can think of have anything better to do. I guess Jerry Ryan's been in some, like, television. but I believe that Kate Mulgrew is in some, like, Stephen King adaptation or something on Peacock right now. Oh, really? uh, yeah. And, if, and Tim Russ is in a band, so, you know, he's got, he's got go. stuff going on. But uh, I, I don't have a beef with it or anything. I just, it's not really ever been something, like, reading fan fiction has ever really appealed to me. Even though, like, it's a stupid thing to, dis- to make a distinction between, like, things that are real and aren't real. It right, it's still to, like just like a thing written by a person, but yeah, I'm st- I'm still just like this. I don't. I also, just like I, as I've gotten older, like I've kind of disliked like stuff that seems to be written for the purpose of like wish fan wish fulfillment. You know, what? But be it fan fiction or quote unquote like real canon fiction so and i feel like a lot a lot of fan fiction see like from the outside again is saying that i'm I'm not saying this in a judgy way just in a personal taste way a lot of the that stuff kind of seems to be like that from the outside Uh, but my wife reads a lot of fan fiction or she did for a while and so we were talking about we were getting done with ds9 which i will memorialize next episode i think um but we were getting done with that and we were kind of talking about like the most popular uh, relationships between people, the most popular like fan fiction relationships. Oh, they get we like, thought there shipped, was. Yeah, yeah, because you know, obviously, like I think you're you're probably aware of this, but um, slash fiction, which is I believe like is essentially like that is kind of like fan fiction, usually like kind of queer focused fan fiction. Uh, you know, putting putting together characters that would not be like canonically LGBTQ. Like putting those characters together, I believe, is like that one of like the definitions of, of slash fiction. That actually gets its name from Star Trek fan fiction. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That's where that came from. Yeah, Kirk slash Spock is kind of was kind of like the first the first frontier of that kind of thing, and so that's why it's called slash fiction. Is because of people who would write stories where those two were were in love. So anyway, it came. I don't remember what website this is. I should probably. I'll ask her, and then I'll try to link it in the show notes anyway we went to a website that she goes to sometimes for fan fiction and we looked up all of the not not the new shows but all of like the shows through um enterprise to see like just kind of to eyeball them and see what the most common uh relationships were i should i just tell you or do you want to try to like see if you can make take any stabs at it so these are all relationships that are not 
already relationships in the show, right? No, not necessarily, no. Most of them, it's either, like, it's not a relationship or it's, like, a relationship that was kind of fainted towards or hinted at, but it was not okay. actually consummated not like on the, the show. But not, like, Troy and Riker or, like, right. and Dax or something like that. But, but then there's the one from uh, Enterprise, though, is a real one that happens on the show to a degree anyway, I think. But I we have not seen any sight of it yet because I think it happens in the later seasons, which we really haven't delved into at all. So I was... We were kind of like, why is everyone talking about this? And then I looked it up, and it's like, oh, that's because they become a thing, or at least kind of in the in the show itself. But so I, I would say, like, you know, uh, you know, obviously, like I was saying, that Kirk and Spock, that's like a that's like yeah, a touchstone Kirk and Spock this makes, kind of fiction. So like, sense. they're they're the two from um, uh, yeah. from that show. There's also I'm guessing Voyager would be I, Voyager has to be Janeway and Seven of Nine, right? No, that's see, that's what I would have guessed. Actually, yeah, again, this is just like a, I'd say, an anecdotal sample size of us just kind of like peering through the the pages for these and seeing what was most prominent. But what we found was that it was mostly, well, not mostly, but like the the highest incidence was Janeway and Chakotay. Hmm. I I mean they they're kind of a like I feel like they're the closest to the like mom and dad of the ship yes i was just gonna say it's like that's the ship's mom and dad yeah yeah and there's there's i think there's at least one but I've, i feel like there's more we're like i know there's one episode where they get like stranded on a planet together for you know months and then kind of get something going. like they're very and then like tom paris is there and he tries to convince Janeway to cheat on her boyfriend back at something home. like that yeah no <laughs> that happened again we, <laughs> you were, we're telling me that we're watching Voyager now, and and like the sec- like the second or third episode, Tom Barris goes up to Harry Kim and he's like, "Hey man, you want to go on a date with these women?" And he's like, "I have a girlfriend." And he's like, "You're never going to see your girlfriend again. <laughs> Come on, let's go." <laughs> uh, we're never going to get to this episode, are we? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't have expected. I mean, I again, like it's it's a very like nice. You know, they're both just sort of like nice, wholesome people. But yeah, I would have expected Janeway and Seven to have been people be all over that i think yeah we, we saw some of those but it wasn't like the it wasn't the top of the pops i will say like having watched a little bit of voyager now like chakotay is has always struck me as like nice but fine like which is kind of how i feel about harry kim to a degree yeah he's like nice nice but fine but i like him in these first few episodes of voyager i've been watching like he's he's just like yeah he is very much like the, sh- the ship's dad like yeah the, i think he's the closest that, like, very, like, i think he's the closest we get to i mean no one has more dad energy than cisco but i feel like chakotay probably gets the closest oh man i cannot wait till we watch like the episode of of ds9 where where cisco builds a space boat so he can go on a space boat trip with his with his son like <laughs> it's it's major dad energy but uh, although by the by the end of DS Nine, uh, O'Brien also has major dad energy because he is keeping like a a huge scale replica a uh, replica of the Alamo in his quarters because he and um, Bashir go to the Hall of Suites every week to like try to figure out a way for the Americans to win the Battle of the Alamo. <laughs> um, so that seems a pr- like a pretty dad thing to do. Yeah, uh, I, I guess speaking of, is O'Brien and Bashir the Deep Space Nine one? No, uh, I feel like nope. their relationship became a very like fan. Like that seems like a yeah. That's what I guessed too when Kim asked. But actually, it's the other gay relationship that you could you could argue that maybe a different version of Bashir would be living, which is uh, Bashir and Garrick. Uh, uh, which is okay. not surprising if you watch that show. Like they're because they're also like good buds. Okay. Um, 
and then TNG obviously is data in YAR. <laughs> no, but we did see some of those. Uh, we did see some of those, but no. I mean, it's Picard's going to be one of them, and I guess is it Picard and Riker? I guess that's if we're no, gonna keep it's Picard and Crusher. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, so you know, never actually, it never actually happens. Like even in the movies, like they don't, they don't really get together. But uh, you know, obviously, it's it's hinted at many times that they kind of have a thing yeah, for each other. Yeah, so like that's like the one that would be shipped. Yeah. If you had asked me what I would have said, I would I would have said for sure like the couple that looks to me to have like the most like oh you could just very easily write this into a couple would be uh data and jordy i think <laughs> like have have big time like slash thick relationship but i was thinking that one yeah but i didn't know how many people would like really you know, yeah. be like we need to see this as much as like it makes sense yeah <laughs> um well you know too it's like you know J- jordy like never has any luck with women you know and he and he and Data kind of like understand each other in a way that like other people don't really necessarily seem to, like, and they get along really well. It just I don't know. I'm not like saying I wish they had done them on the show or, or whatever. I don't care. But it's just it seemed to me to make uh, sense if you were looking for like those signifiers. But yeah. Um, and then I guess is is Enterprise um, Trip and to Paul. Yes. Okay. Which. Is is weird to think about. Um, Considering the episode the we just episode watched, we watched, they were yeah. like on the verge of killing each other. Yep, but I guess that that softens and they become. Which uh, you know, Kim asked me what I thought of that, and I was like, uh, "She's too good for him." <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'm not sure we're gonna get to a point where we like to tri- trip Tucker. No, no. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think of some other big ones. Like, yeah, there were there were some. Basically, like any combination of like the three main characters from from TNG, and there was some Jordy and Data. There was some Nurse Chapel and Spock stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe there was some Janice Janice Rand and Kirk stuff. Um, yeah, which I think was like it thought of at one point when they were introducing that character, and then they never went anywhere with it. Yeah, there's some. Um, from Enterprise, there's some stuff with Phlox and that woman that we saw that in that one episode, the episode we watched last time, who is only on the episode, the show like three times. Um, oh, that's like the nurse. There was like, or like, I, she's not even a nurse, but she's like, she's a like an insect scientist. scientist yeah. 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 Cause um, we realized that she did appear in two days and two nights. Yeah. Time. In the Phlox scenes. She was like the one that was supervising mm-hmm. his hibernation. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I think there was some seven, some seven Janeway stuff. Um, it didn't seem like there was a big uh, seven uh, Chicote. Uh, um, <laughs> the one that actually did contingent, like the one that kind of suddenly yeah. become canonical two episodes before the show ended. Yeah, was there like some seven Harry Kim? Because I feel like seven I Harry Kim would be really. a thing that would. Yeah, well, I, I see. I would, I would have thought like Paris and Harry Kim, except for that. I think that like the fans generally like respect Paris and. Bilana's like actual like in show romance mm-hmm. so there was actually like a lot of for some of them there was a lot of that stuff so like there was a lot of like Tom Paris and Bilana stuff if I recall correctly anyway so okay but anyway I just thought that was kind of fun this is a, a fun little like what you know what are, what are the people saying about like who should have ended up with who Hi, everybody, and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And today we are talking about 
Brothers, which is uh, Next Generation uh, Season 4, Episode 3. Um, and it is written by Rick Berman, who was, I believe, the head honcho of Star Trek at this time. And it was directed by Robert Bowen. And the uh, Memory Alpha description is, Data jeopardizes an emergency mission to save an ill child when he receives a signal from his creator, Noonien Soong. And um, when I saw this episode was called Brothers, I forgot that it was this. And I thought that it was about um, Kern, uh, Worf's brother Kern. Worf's brother. And I was like, yeah. You know, I, I like Worf. I'd like a good Worf episode. Not a big fan of... Um, not a big fan of Kern, so I was not necessarily looking forward to that. I was kind of thinking it was going to be another one of those like birthright type of episodes. Um, but then it was this, which is like an episode that I think is, you know, it's all right. It's 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 okay. You know, I think we'll we'll occasionally ask that question of each other of like, kind of, is this a good episode or not? Mm-hmm, um, sure. And then kind of the parallel to that of. I don't know. In this case, I, I, I would ask, if, is this a good episode? And kind of, did you enjoy this, uh, this episode? And then, is this a... Because I feel like this is a significant episode. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this is kind of a notable, memorable episode of Star Trek. I think it's a significant episode for our podcast, because I think this is the first... We saw it a little bit with the one uh, where they, they're, like, on that planet with all those portals to different... Uh, zones, but I think at the end when data is like malfunctioning, but I think that this is actually the first like official entry that we've had in our podcast into the the TNG genre of Brent Spiner loves acting. Uh, yes, yeah, no, this is very much a like feat of acting by you know the majority of this episode is Brent Spiner just acting with himself. Yeah, um, and just having like a great time. Like I, I think Brent Spiner does a really good job playing Data. Like Data is like one of the best Star Trek characters. I would say probably like in like the top ten best Star Trek characters. And Brent Spiner does a really good job. But every time that Brent Spiner gets to play a different character or to play Data being like weird or animated, like you know he just he loves it like you just see his eyes light up where he's like oh i get to play an old man now or like i get to be shakespearean or or whatever like yeah and and so yeah this is like peak he's playing three different characters in the same scene uh, sometimes (laughs) so he's he's loving it um spoilers i guess but yeah (laughs) yeah this is a significant episode now i didn't um I, sometimes I look up characters that I remember well, like guest star characters that I remember well from um, from Star Trek, and I, I'm I'm surprised at how little they're in Star Trek for how much I think about them or how much I remember them. How many episodes would you guess that Lore, uh, Data's brother, is in? Um, probably like. S- Six to eight, six, seven, eight, something like that. That's what I would have guessed. That's not correct, but that's what I would have guessed. <laughs> He's in four. And Is that all? Two of them are the two-part episode that he dies at the end of. Spoiler alert, I guess, for people who haven't seen. So there's just... So like so he's, he's basically in like two regular episodes like and then like a two-parter. arcs, yeah. I guess maybe I thought of more of them. So his first, like, Daedalore is just one part, one episode, like his first appearance. So yeah, his first appearance is in Daedalore, which is a 
like one of the early season one episodes of the show where you kind of get a little bit into Data's origins and you find out that he had another another android that was... I thought there was at least one more. So then there's that one, there's this one, and then there's like the one where he like commands the Borg for a while. Yeah, so yeah, he's, there's this, that one, this one, and then yeah, the season six cliffhanger, uh, the season six finale and the season seven opener, Descent Part 1 and 2 are... Is like the last, and I think he's only in like the very end of Descent Part One. I think like the, I think the kind of the reveal like the, is like, oh no, it's lore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would. Th- I thought there was at least one more like arc that he does. Interesting. Yeah, which is funny because it's like between Star Trek Nemesis and like that the shot of his like body parts in Picard, like. The before Data's forgotten brother that no one cares about, like has probably had almost as much screen time as Lore has, but Lore really, uh, uh, he looks like he's. Uh, I'm looking at his, uh, Lore's page now too. I mean, they the, reference him a few other times, right? Where they're just like, yeah, is it Lore maybe? And then it's not Lore, but they're like, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, I was just I was just looking at that. So they reference him in four other episodes that he does not appear. Also, apparently, he's referenced once in. Lower decks, which I don't remember that happening, but I'm I'm sure it did. Uh, yeah, but he's he's referenced in as many episodes as he appears in. So wow. Um, yeah, I was really surprised at that though, because like he, that, that character, I feel like does have like a pretty like outsized impact on how I think people view the character of Data, who obviously is like a very important character in the show. Um, and yeah, I think like Soong is also in like probably like two episodes only, which I, which I was, I was like, oh, does he die I was in this one- episode? Cause yeah, I was wondering in this, in this one, I was wondering like, is this actually his only appearance? I mean, there, I know there's plenty of other Soongs that they bring in Brent Spiner to play, but. So I believe that this is his only living appearance. I think, I think he's in, I'm going to check now, but I believe he's in one other, uh, episode He's in actually, yeah, so he's, remember we, we watched uh, Birthright Part 2, the one where Worf is like... yeah Oh, yeah. And then Part 1 is like mostly about Data having dreams. Yeah, and then his the, the dreams he's having include Dr. Soong in the dreams. Um, okay. Yeah, so he's in three episodes. He's in this, then he's in the dream sequence of Birthright Part 1, and then he's also in, there's a hologram version of him in um, Inheritance, which I don't... Oh, that which is about um, uh, Soong's uh, ex-wife and Data's quote-unquote mother, uh, which I kind of remember. I don't remember not liking that episode very much, but um, it's not it's not that often that I'm like super into an episode about like a character's origins on the show. I've I've found, but um, anyway, we have talked a lot. We've talked for, like t- un- unedited about twenty minutes uh, without talking about the actual episode. So we should probably uh, <laughs> okay. We should sure. probably get into it. I mean, it's, <laughs> I feel like you can pretty quickly summarize. We have there's a lot of yeah. sitting around and talking in this episode. Um, so yeah, so the this episode starts out. It starts with what's kind of the B plot of the story, but which is a very like parallel thing where there's these two kids on the ship, and one of them was one of them is kind of this very like emotional active kid and the other ones you get the sense doesn't have much of a sense of humor and is kind of just sort of boring kid um (laughs) and so one of them was playing a practical joke on the other one and pretended that he had he had like accidentally died and the other kid got very upset and ran off into the woods and got uh like exposed to like this poisonous plant i think 
Well, no, it wasn't. It wasn't like he got exposed to it. It was like a a sibling version of like Romeo and Juliet, where he thought he had killed his brother, and so he he ate. Uh, oh, a, like on per- oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, he like ate a fruit to like kill himself. Um, oh wow, that's that's way darker than I thought it was. Yeah, it's pretty. It's I thought pretty, he had just like run off into a cave and like gotten like ran through some poison ivy or something. No, no, yeah, he he like tried to kill himself after he thought that he had killed his brother, which is like, it's pretty dark. It's pretty, I don't know, as me, I really have like a rough time with like seeing bad things happen to kids. And so like, that was like kind of like for me a, a little bit, but also it's like uh, every time that like the, the boy who pretended to get shot by the gun, like on screen, we were like calling him names and stuff because <laughs> we're just like, that's such a terrible like that's like the worst possible practical joke you could ever play on someone. It's like why would you would anyone to, ever think to that make was them funny? think that they, as like a six year old kid, like just murdered their own brother? Yeah, at any age, but especially then, yeah. So as uh, basically Data is taking, you know, it starts out with with Riker and Troy kind of talking to the, I don't know which the the one who played the practical joke. I guess we should. Maybe this uh, would be so easier if we called them by their names. So Jake Willie, is the, Jake is the one who played the practical joke, and Willie is the one that's sick now. Yes. Um, so Jake, Jake is kind of being sort of told by Riker and Troy just how serious what he did was, and then they ask Data to take him back to his quarters. And then as as Data and him are going back up through a turbolift, Data suddenly, in the middle of a conversation, suddenly something happens to him and. He kind of stops paying attention to anything having to do with the kid and redirects the turbo lift so it goes to the bridge instead and kind of walks onto the bridge and, again, is just acting very strange and not saying anything and, like, pushes a bunch of buttons on his console and then suddenly the life support on the bridge fails. So all the humans have to run off of the bridge before they run out of oxygen and... By doing this, Data's basically got the bridge to himself and hacks all the systems and commandeers the ship and locks everybody else out. And yeah, and I want to like I, I want to like slow down to like talk about some of the stuff a little bit because I think this, this part is I think this episode can kind of be split into Data on the ship, Data on the planet, and then like the brother, like the two brothers, yeah. like in their drama stuff. And I would say that like. This part of it, like this third of it, which is the the data on the ship part, is the part that I really like, and the other stuff is like fine, you know. Yeah, it's kind. Of, it is kind of the most like interesting. It's very like compelling, I think, to kind of like see that like data is you know like data is a good guy, like and everyone kind of likes him, and you know, but like it's compelling to like be like, oh yeah, like data, if data was bad, or like if data you know, was hacked and, like, fell into the wrong hands, he would be incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Especially in, like, the world of Star Trek, where everything is kind of run by computer systems, and a lot of stuff is, like, voice-activated. You know, one of the main things he does is he does this, like, perfect Patrick Stewart impersonation to, like, gain control of the bridge and then lock out the actual Captain Picard. And, yeah, and so there's this kind of you see this sort of chess game going on between data on the bridge, trying to take control of the ship and lock everybody else out. And then the rest of the sort of command staff of the ship is in engineering with Picard and Riker and Jordy. 
and they're trying to kind of get into the system and hack into the system to get control of the ship back, but also sort of starting from, you know, they're a little bit behind because it takes them a while to even figure out that that data is, you know, because they sort of would have no reason to suspect data. You know, they don't know that he's the one taking over the ship for a while. And then you see kind of as whenever they try something, he's able to kind of more quickly take over and and lock them out of that. And yeah, you, you get very much realize how, how overpowered data is. Yeah, I love, like, yeah, I think it's so cool and, like, creepy where he changes where he changes his voice. And, and also, like, when he's escaping and he, like, has rigged up the force fields. Yeah, so that they kind of travel with him so that every segment, like, a force field will form in front of him and then behind him and then it'll open long enough for him to walk through and, yeah. And they'll, like, block off other people, which is funny because, like, this is what's happening, but they still just kind of, like... Like, I think that they, like, say over, like, the, the comlinks that, like, he's got the force fields rigged up, but then you just still see, like, multiple crewmen who just, like, run at him and, like, just, like, slam into force fields and, like, fall over. Like, <laughs> uh, but it's it's a cool, though. It's a cool... Yeah. Yeah. It really, like, I don't know. I, don't I, know what I you think it really, like, does a great there. job of, like, but... kind of highlighting, like, that he is still... Even though he's like we we believe in data's like personhood, like he is still like a computer, and so like he has like this very like analytical side of him that can create like all of these scenarios that it would take a an organic person like a long time to math out. Yeah, I also find it interesting and like a very cool thing that he still does it all without hurting any. You know, again, because the main conflict here is that they have to get this sick boy to uh, a star base to get him the medical attention he needs mm-hmm. or he could die within you know a matter of several hours and so that's that's the pressure on the crew to like resolve this as quickly as possible and get the ship back on track to save this boy's life but data doesn't kind of realize what he's doing but other than that he's doing it completely you know non-violently you know because because also data's you know incredibly strong and and smart and accurate and like could just sort of gun his way out or could eject all the yeah. oxygen from the ship or eject everybody into space. You know, there's plenty of very harmful ways he could do this, but he manages to do it all without causing any harm to anybody else. And it's just kind of like, I'm going to borrow the ship for a while. And then like, you can have it back once I'm done, but kind of almost goes out of his way to, you know, with these force fields and everything to protect himself without hurting anybody, which is a cool kind yeah. of aspect of data that that's like a good, even though yeah, he is so overpowered point. he still manages to. so when he goes down like then the, the rest of the episode like kind of becomes cut back to the ship and they're kind of trying to figure out like what happened to him but mostly it's like crusher will come up to picard and be like we need to get willie to the starbase right away because otherwise he's gonna die and picard being like well we're trying our best and then it'll like there'll be like a scene where jake is like uh, I'd feel bad, but, like, I didn't mean to. And they're like, well, you understand why he feels that way. And, like, Or it'll be, like, as, you know, Crusher will be talking to Willie, and Willie be like, I don't like him. And she's like, well, you didn't mean to do it, you know. Just kind of trying to reconcile those two with limited success yeah. until the end. And then, and then the other part is Data down with the person who made the call. Yeah, so he, Data goes down to this planet that he's taken the ship to and flies... And, kind of transports himself down to a kind of isolated building on the planet where he finds that he basically has like a a homing signal within him that had been activated by 
uh, Noonien Soong, who was the scientist that, that created data, presumed this, and this is the part that I never really figured out the, the reasoning for. So he was presumed dead in like in data lore, they talk about this, but he used to live on this planet with kind of these settlers and then Lord caught like allowed a, that planet to be destroyed. And everyone sort of assumed that, that Soong had been killed and he had instead been just like working in this little remote lab by himself the whole time. Yeah. Well, I think he escaped, right? Like when he saw that the crystalline entity was coming, maybe. Yeah. I think, I think they would, again, just sort of like briefly say like, Oh yeah. And then, we thought you were dead, but he's like, no, I escaped and I came here. But I don't know why he never, why has he been like hiding here? Like, why did he never seek out data before this or like go back to Starfleet? Like, presumably if he's a brilliant cyberneticist, why has he just been doing his research completely alone? Well, I, I, I kind of felt like maybe like he was being held responsible for like some of the stuff he did with like data and and lore, you know, that led to some people dying, perhaps. I'm, I'm not 100% sure, though. Mm, you know, for, for Data, like, Data wasn't... Data was not active when when he left, though. So, like, he was... Data was, I believe, found and, like, activated by Starfleet, which is why he chose to join Starfleet. And so mm-hmm. I think, like, the reason why he was summoned by um, Soong in this episode is because Soong has now, like... Data is super famous because he's, like, the first... He's kind of considered to be like the first successful artificial intelligence, you know, android. And so I think Soong has been like, oh, like my my boy is is like out and about like in Starfleet, do you know, seeing the seeing the galaxy and stuff. So I should come. He want, I want him to come talk to me so I can give him I can give him my emotion chip that I made for him. Yeah, which is it turns out is kind of the ultimate reason that he brought data here was he had created this chip that would give data. The ability to experience emotions and wants to install that in him and um they have kind of some philosophical talking back and forth um we also see so soon's lab so i had, I had um uh my wife lisa had sent me an article she found on the internet that's all about the it's really specifically about like the the chairs used in the various star trek shows oh yeah like on the ships and, and kind of goes into why the, you know, why the next generation enterprise has this very like 1980s lounge room, like decor, because it was, you know, they just had to, you know, the, for these sets, they, they just got actual like designers that made actual furniture at the time to produce a bunch of like, various furniture and stuff for them. And it, it kind of made me think of it in this episode where Soong's lab is basically, from what I can imagine, just they just told everyone on the crew to like bring in some random science-looking things they had from home. Yeah. <laughs> and like they just threw it all on the set as props. Because there's, I mean, there's a bunch of like dinosaur-themed stuff, including I'm pretty sure like those little like balsa wood puzzles you could make where it's like, kind of a bunch of different layers that stack and like make this like model of a dinosaur. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're talking about. Yeah. And and just like little like plastic dinosaur figures and and yeah, just test tubes and test tube racks just like from a lab. Like it's a very cluttered and again it's 
Isn't there like a um, like a like an anatomy poster like up on the wall too? I think so. Yeah, yeah, and it and it's meant to me clearly just like look like a very cluttered, messy like lab where this sort of mad scientist kind of person. Yeah, or like is, a, a science teacher lives here. Yeah, yeah. In in the sense of, I think we've talked about before when in our our episodes that we've done with that's not how science works. How just like scientists just kind of do all of science on television but yeah and so and i guess we didn't make it clear so nunyan soong is played by brent spiner the same actor that plays data in like very very heavy old man makeup and has this like long white hair and lots of wrinkles and kind of this like leathery skin and he's doing an old man voice yeah. and and then Lore, his brother, who pops up soon, is also played by Brent Spiner. But he's right. He's like, what if Data was emotional and kind of crazy? Yeah, and so, like you said, like I think Lore more than anyone else, like you can just see in his eyes how much fun Brent Spiner has. Yeah, being that character. Yeah, because he's Data, but he like he gets to use contractions, I think, and then he he has like a little yeah. um, tick that he does. Less so in this episode, I think, than some of the other episodes. But like, where like he kind of like moves his head, and and then he he has emotions, and so he gets to kind of like play all of these very kind of like like almost like Shakespearean in like the way in like the kind of the amount of emotion he puts into them, like yeah, where he has all these monologues about how he his father abandoned him and and stuff like that. Yeah, and how that made him angry, and and what happens is that the same kind of homing signal that that Soong had sent out to get data also did the same thing to Lore because their programming is so similar. And so he was similarly kind of like drawn here against his will. And so now all three of them are in this house kind of discussing. And so you have, you know, Soong, who is obviously this old kind of human scientist, and then Lore, who is very emotional and has a lot of like baggage with, he feels like Soong you know, never treated him fairly and he was hated and Data was always Soong's favorite because he was more perfect. And then Data, who, and this is very, almost kind of like childlike, you know, he's the the younger brother and is the one that's kind of trying to figure out what's going on. And is like, why, why are you two fighting so much? And the three of them all just kind of argue amongst themselves a lot. And we get a lot of backstories specifically about lore and kind of what happened on the planet that where, you know, he and Soong were settlers and all the other settlers hated Lore. And so then he sold the planet out to the crystalline entity and that's what caused it to be destroyed. And then, you know, he becomes very, like he, you sort of get that sense of how jealous he was that, you know, everyone hated him, but everyone loves data. And um, the other big thing that happens is, and this is what I was trying to remember kind of the backstory behind this, but it apparently, I guess it, this is, must've been something that happened in data lore. Like lore had told data that, that lore was kind of better and more complete and data was, I think what he told him was basically that he was, the lore was so human, like, like that it freaked everybody out. So then soon made like a less perfect Android, like one that like, wasn't quite as good so that it didn't intimidate people as much and that was data yeah basically like lore was like kind of almost like an an uncanny valley person yeah 
And then Soong explains that actually they're not, data's not less perfect. They're actually exactly the same. And he just like did some different programming so that data didn't have, I guess so that data didn't have emotions or something that was just in the, basically like the personality of them, but that data is not less perfect. And that's kind of this big like realization for data that he finds out that he's like just as good as lore. Yeah. Apparently they try to explain it apparently in times arrow, the the one where they go back in time to like Mark Twain times. Um, if I'm, Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, that's I think another one I was thinking of where like they talk about lore a lot in that one because they find this, this data head. Yeah. Um, that episode but is it good. turns out that it's not lore. Uh, but they apparently, according to that episode, the difference between them is that Laura's positronic net differed from Data's. It had a Type L face discriminator compared to Data's Type R. So, I hope that clears things up for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I will say so. Uh, I think the meeting of the minds thing here is like kind of fun, but like it's been a bit since I've watched this episode, and I really don't remember almost anything they talk about, and. It just kind of goes on too long for me. Yeah, it is just kind of a lot of like sitting around talking, and yeah, there's some good. It's it's Brent Spiner putting on a one man show, basically. Yeah, it, it very they very much just like let him let him go to town with this, and he played his heart out. Um, you know, there's kind of one scene early on in it where, like, Data is really asking Soon, like, "Why did you create me?" And Soon goes into this whole like, you know, the same th- reason that like all humans have offspring it's because they want to live forever by having the thing they make live forever and and then kind of the culmination of this all is that uh soon is like well i'm gonna give data this emotion chip but i'll do it tomorrow because i'm tired i'm gonna go to sleep now and so i'll just leave you two incredibly powerful androids that hate each other just kind of to your own devices in my house while i go sleep and then he wakes up, and Data comes up to him and is like, I'm ready for my emotion chip. And so Soong puts it into him, and then the reveal is that he, that was actually lore. He did a very, like, Jacob and Esau type thing. I think they they even, like, f- make some mention of that when Lore's doing his little monologue where he reveals to Soong, like, what a mistake he made. and um, And then he... He, like, throws Soong across the room, which kind of mortally injures him, and then escapes. And right about then is when the Enterprise crew has finally figured out how to get the ship working again. So they beam down and find the actual Data and rescue him. And Data gets to, you know, say goodbye to Soong. And then they they go off to take um, Willie to get his life saved on a spaceship. Yeah, it's, at some point during this, I think towards the end... When he's about to die, I believe Soong says to Data, I've always loved that face, which is, you know, again, like, <laughs> uh, you know, as as we've talked about many times in the show, like another example of just scientists being so vain that they create this like perfect being that just looks like them. It looks just like <laughs> it's them. like, yeah. that's your face, dude. I've always loved looking in the mirror and imagining what if my face but yellow, you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so then, then they get up, and I guess you don't, you don't see Laura again for, like, three years. And then um, they're like, all right, we're going to be okay. We're going to get the kid to the starbase in time. And then, like, you know, Data had been talking to, to Jake when he had that freakout. And so then he sees Jake playing with Willie, and he makes some observation about how 
um, how all they're playing together again. And then Troy says, of course they are. Or Crusher says, you know, their brothers stay, their brothers forgive. Which is one of two quotes in this that I think are very funny in hindsight. Um, the other one being that when, when Soong is dying, Data's like, you'll die. You, you, you know, uh, you'll die. And, and he says, everybody dies, Data. Well, almost everybody. Which, like, both of which are very funny in hindsight, I think. because The Brothers Forgive thing is funny because the last time you see Lore on Star Trek is when Data kills him. You know, he doesn't right. kill him out of uh, anger, I guess. But it's not like a... I don't think that those two really end on like There's a, no big, like, reconciliation moment yeah. between uh, <laughs> right. And then the everybody dies thing, well, almost everybody, you know, clearly, again, is, like, referring to Data. And yet, Data, over the course of his appearances on Star Trek, actually dies three times. Um, like, he dies <laughs> more than people die. Because uh, he dies once on the show... In the Times Era episode, if you if you recall, because the reason why they find that Data head is because someone shoots Data in the past, and then they take yeah. his head and they put it on his body in the future, like like to, or if I you, yeah, I remember that being a very bizarre. I, I love that episode. <laughs> really? Yeah. The, the the second part of it is like kind of whatever because like then it's like mostly about Mark Twain and like it's like okay, like this is too much. <laughs> but the first part I really like. That's the one where you find out that like Guinan was living on Earth during that during the eighteen hundreds and like that's actually the first time she meets Picard is yeah. in the past. That's yeah, I like I I enjoyed that episode. But um and then he dies again in Nemesis when he shoots yeah. when he shoots like the core of that ship and blows up, and then he dies again in Picard when uh, he's in like that computer. When they bank. like shut down his programming, yeah. And, and so like, yeah, he actually. When <laughs> they unplug the USB chip or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. So it's like he dies. He he actually dies more than than anybody else. You know, I guess like yeah. so. For, you know, right now Picard has also died once. So Picard, there you Picard go. can equal his record if he dies two more times. But I just thought that was funny. Like you know, it's like this line about the immortality of a character that then he experiences mortality several times. Yeah, but yeah, and that's the end. That's the end of the of the episode. I yeah, I just think it kind of loses, it loses steam for me because I do think that that first part where he's like taking over the ship is like really cool. Like it's just like a really well done like sequence of of like events, and it's like it's like very suspenseful. Yeah, and it was I was trying to remember, and maybe I was just only thinking of this one, but I feel like there's multi, there's more than one episode where that kind of thing happens, right? Where like Data takes over the ship. Maybe I'm just thinking of the one where, like, Data wipes everybody's memory. Like, they, like, everyone's trying to figure out, like, something wrong is going on here. And, like, Data's being really suspicious about it. And then you find out that, like, they programmed him to do that. Yeah, I love that episode. That episode is called Clues, where like, basically, like, they, they investigated, they're, they're investigating some kind of an anomaly. And... The people they're like, well, if you f- you found out we were here, so we have to kill you, and then and then Data's like, well, could you wipe their memories instead? And I promise I won't tell anyone. And they're like, okay. And then they do that, and the Data has to pretend like nothing is wrong. Well, they're all trying to figure out like what happened to them, but it's like if if they figure it out, then they'll get they'll be killed. You know? Yeah, then those people come. In. Yeah, yeah, that's a good episode. Um, we haven't had like a real like, I guess we had we had the. Half a life episode, good. Or, that was really good, ladies and ladies. We have we have had like a a good like science fictiony 
banger episode of uh, TNG for a while, I feel like. like, And there's definitely some good ones out yeah, there. Yeah, there's some good... I think they probably do, like, the the sort of, like, ship-in-a-bottle episodes the best. Yeah, yeah, so... Um. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, again, like, it was it was fine. It was fine, not a bad episode. Uh, like to see Red Spider in their old age makeup, but, uh, you know, it's a... It's a TNG episode. It, it, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, not, I wouldn't say that you should skip it if you're watching the show for the first time. But I also wouldn't say go back and watch that one again. <laughs> um, well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we come out every other Sunday, so in a couple of weeks we are going to be watching an episode called Silicon Avatar, uh, which is another TNG episode, TNG season five, episode four. So you can come back in a couple weeks for that and, you know, watch ahead of time and we'll talk about it then. In the meantime, you can check out the other shows that are on uh, the podcast network that are a part of, the Kaleidoscope Media Network. There's Here's Johnny, which is a horror media podcast. There is That's Not How Science Works, which we just had a, a fun episode uh, with them last time. And at some point, probably by the time that this episode comes out, I would imagine the episode that we're on with them will have come out. And which we did the we did the pilot of Eureka for their show. They're a science pop culture podcast, and there's also Wizard Studies, which is a Harry Potter podcast. So you can check out any of those shows, and um, you know, for us, you can follow us on Twitter at Contracts. You can uh, we're also at Out of Contracts on YouTube now. You can also uh, email us at outofcontracts at gmail.com, and you can visit our website at outofcontracts.podbean.com. So check us out in those places. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Bye.